today's podcast. What is it like to be a dad, a father, for the very first time? Welcome to my podcast, Stanhope Rocks, making a difference in men's lives. Each week, I bring you stories, interviews, and discussions on topics that affect men's lives. Real men discussing real topics, developing real tools that can be used daily to make a real difference and meaningful change in your life. As Albert Einstein once said, we cannot solve our problems with the same thinking we used when we created them. So think differently and make a choice in your life today for meaningful change. Now, let's get to today's podcast. Welcome. Today, I have a very special guest. Uh, it's a good friend of mine, Brandon Licatino. And Brandon and I met doing the Mankind Project work. They have a, a warrior weekend that we both have gone through and bonded, and it's all about men's work is what we call it, um, the emotional work uh, and of being a man, uh, what that means, how we deal with it. And so most of the men that come through are looking for ways to change their life, look at other options, and uh, some of my deepest friendships have been formed with men uh, through the Mankind Project kind of lost track with Brandon for a while. And then the, uh, one day I decided I wanted to grow a beard and actually was watching a session of Queer Eye and this guy had his beard all groomed. And my wife says, that's what you need to do. Because <laughs> it was just a great big old bush. All of a sudden I looked up and in downtown Heights, uh, here is Brandon. And he has a beautiful shop called Cutthroat there. And I'll let him tell a little bit about himself. And he's also a new father. And that's what we're ultimately the core of what we're talking about today is, is what it's the emotions, the work of being a, a new father to a little girl and the emotions as men, what we go through, the challenges, the joys, the gifts. And with that, I'm going to turn it over to Brandon. Welcome. Thanks, Dan. Um, yeah, so like, like you said, I have a barbershop. My business partner and I opened up around six years ago. We have two locations, um, but prior to that, I was a hairdresser and uh, owned a salon for eight years. I was uh, actually hair doing mainly women's hair for uh, 16 years or so, and then did some men, but more recent years, just got uh, totally into just cutting men's hair. Big difference between the two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but what I realize now, having a girl, is I think, you know, Doing the women's hair for so long was getting me ready, you know, to oh, yeah. to, to be a father to girls. I, well, I, do we do have one girl now? She's uh, almost seven months old, and we have another girl on the way. But the barbershop's a great place because you know it's it's a place where a guy can go and be a guy. You know, we have real conversations about real stuff. You know, and most men I know are really uh, hungry for connection. Yeah. I think we've been told our our whole lives that it's not okay to be a certain way or or that certain way be vulnerable or show any signs of uh, weakness, you know, which you and I both know is bullshit. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, we had our uh, first girl, uh, Sophia is her name, and uh, my wife's name is Twyla, and 
uh, we did a home birth, you know, so that was a really cool experience. And leading up to the home birth, we uh, we met with the midwife on a regular basis, and she'd literally sit down with us for you know over an hour each session, and we just talked about everything. You know, there would be sessions where I'd be in tears, and we talked about mom stuff and dad stuff, and just real powerful, just preparation to with to, the midwife. With the midwife, yeah. Wow. I'd never been around such strong, you know, women before, you know, that were uh, really doing what they loved and really doing what they were called to do. So it's, um, it, it's the whole experience definitely changed me. So, yeah. So talk about that for a second. So, you, you know, and, and, and you have, obviously this is a podcast, so you can't see Brandon, but Brandon is a big muscled up dude that when he told me he was a hairdresser for women, I was like, what? That it just didn't fit, you know. But then again, I'm, the more I get to know Brandon, you never fit any stereotype, you know. Thank you. And, uh, I know, and you work hard at that. Uh, but you talk about it, it brought these feelings up for you. So share some of that. I mean, what without going into any detail that you don't feel comfortable with, but um, what came up for you that was different in this process? Because I've seen you, and you've been around a lot of men and been around different emotions, so you're very comfortable with that. So yeah. for something to rock you like that, what was that about? I just found from my, my own work, you know, I carried so much anger around my dad's stuff. It was real easy to tap into the dad stuff, you know, so I um, did a lot of work around dad stuff. And then I, what I found is that I was putting off dealing with the mom stuff, you know, because for me, I had a, a side of my mom that was super loving, super caring. But there was also a side of her that could be manipulative and, you know, very um, enmeshment style relationship, you know, just... Um, so I was, I have just been really cautious through the years and I've, I've subconsciously chose women that were like my mom for relationships or friendships or, you know, whatever the situation may be, um, and, and would resent them and resent the situation. So, and a lot of this is my own work that I kept putting off to work through, you know, so, um, you know, in knowing I was having a girl coming, I think it was just time to really put some of that stuff to bed and. Um, the midwives were, you know, a godsend. I can really process through some of this stuff. And, um, you know, and, and it's been a process. And the process started a little bit before before that, too. But just truly mourning uh, the, the mom that I wish I would have had, you know, has been, has been a process, you know. And my mom did the best that she could. And she, you know, she had a really rough upbringing. And, um and there was a lot of things she got right, but there was a lot of things that uh, that I needed to work through, you know, so I could so I could be a good father and be, you know, have healthy relationship with women. So it took me a long time to um, get to a point where I could see for both my mother and my father in the origin work that they did the best they could. Yeah. Because for a long time I wanted to blame them. And I wanted to use them as my excuse for not being good enough, for having any confusion in life. And uh, it was easy to say good, bad. Brene Brown talks about that, good, bad, this, you know, this binary thing, you know. And the truth is, is it's all the above. When your daughter was born, and I know you had made mention to me, your respect for your wife just grew not because you loved her anymore but just to see what the whole process of motherhood which probably took you back a little bit to your own stuff and your mom 
you know, just seeing a natural birth, you know, in a, in my house, you know, and just trusting, um, trusting the process, trusting the people that were around us, and and just seeing that women women were made to do that, you know, and the whole thing was a very primitive female celebration. Best way I know how to. And you and I have experienced something similar on a weekend, yeah. but on the male side of things. Yeah. Um, so you know, women are women are <laughs> women are way stronger than I had ever given them credit for. You know, I think we are told and to treat them like delicate flowers, but they are not that. So how did this change? I know you said you'd been in the beauty industry doing women's hair for 16 or whatever yeah. years. So, and and I know a little bit about your history, but not get too much. I mean, that's like working in a candy store a little bit. You, I mean, it, again, you have to see Brandon. He's a very handsome guy. He takes very good care of himself. And I thought to myself, that movie was Shampoo that we grew up with, yeah. you know, and that all that went with it. And at some point you had to work through that. You know, from the from the warrior work, what I learned then was I was around mainly women because it was an easier energy for me to be around because my mm. dad's energy was such a hard, you know, hard-ass energy. It wasn't pleasant to be around. So I know subconsciously I chose a career that I wouldn't, you know, I would be around softer energy, you know. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So, and I, I, through that, I always longed for more, you know, male connection and hard, to be around more harder energy. Yeah. So you had mentioned that with the uh, uh, respect for that you had for your wife, and then all of a sudden Sophie's born, and you're just you're 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 absorbed in this energy. How has that changed from this point, which is seven months now? Yeah, the way you see women today, <laughs> it's it, it's what I what I find attractive in women is different. You yeah, know? like it used to just be the the surface stuff, and just you know, but now I don't know, just the. The whole motherly, when I look at my wife and she's, you know, just nurturing and giving and it's just the sexiest thing to me, yeah. you know, so, um, you know, just different values now and uh, just a whole new respect, you know, for for how much they do and how much they give. So it's been, it's, it's life changing, honestly. Yeah. So. How has it changed your relationship with your wife? Um, you know, same. It's, it's just, it's, um, I, I admire everything that she does and, you know, she definitely gives a lot, you know, and she respects my role, you know, which is to provide and it's, uh, it's her and I have a really awesome dynamic, you know, and I'm very grateful for that. So, um, but I've respected her from the beginning, you know, she master's degree in accounting and gave all that up to be a stay at home mom. And, yeah. You know, she's uh, self-sacrificing in a, in a in a healthy way, not yeah. in a you know not in a sabotage way. So, um, yeah, I just she's just the sexiest thing to me. You know, I notice other women, but I'm more attracted to my. There's not not another woman that could yeah. <laughs> that could get my attention like that. You yeah, know, that I know of. Oh, I I I, I totally concur. I I'm absolutely in awe of the energy the female energy uh, around childbirth. Uh, I see it now with my daughters have grown and now I'm a grandfather. And with my granddaughter, in fact, now it's kind of interesting. Now I have a grandson and I'm kind of like, what do I do? <laughs> you know, because I've been so immersed because I grew up with a very male dominant father. 
and uh, and and the whole thing that went with it, whether the hunting, the fishing, all the you know heavy you know male things, it was when with the the work with men actually got me to get to want to be and balance myself out with that yeah with that energy and have the uh, uh, but the tremendous amount of strength that women have and it's different. It's it, you know that's what we learned I think was uh, or at least my takeaway was that for a long time before I got into the mankind project there were programs that were you know come learn to be a man and a lot of it was based upon man good woman bad or some variation of that or man better than woman and this was the first one where it was like we're only as good as we can be. And if we are that way, then we're going to attract, and if I can attract in my life a powerful woman, and I'm not scared to be in that spot, then the, you know, that's just an amazing transformation. Yeah, so, you know, I, I was married two times before, and what I learned is I would, um, I would put my happiness on, on others, you know, and expect them to make me happy, you know, which is a, which is a, you know, it's a lose-lose for everybody. You know, not fair to them and not fair to me. Um, but you know, it took some time, but I learned to truly love me. And I think one, um, once I once I really accepted me for who I am—the good, the bad, the ugly—I um, think I was able to accept love as well. But yeah. before that, I don't know that I could really accept real love. So if if you're married and you don't accept love, what does that look like? I think it looks for for me what it had looked like in the past was just constantly criticizing, pushing away, you know, just they need to do this, they need to do that. She ain't doing this, she ain't doing that. Yeah, you know, you, all this stuff you, to keep you. her at a distance. Because yeah. if I don't fully accept me, how can I fully accept her? Amen. You can't. I don't. I, I, that's my belief too. Yeah. I don't think we can accept anybody until we accept ourselves. Agreed. And I think that, you know, I was listening to uh, Brene Brown, and, and for her, she is a remarkable woman who has the gift to put a lot of this topic about vulnerability, shame, guilt, trust, love, authenticity, integrity, and all these topics that are very uncomfortable to talk about is in a, in a situation out where people can start to understand it a little bit and, and kind of take the, the thorns away. But she told numerous stories when she was starting out about they're like, you're going to talk about what today? Shame? To our people here? We No, no, we don't talk about shame. And, and so the one thing that came up for me in listening to it was she is having these conversations that are uncomfortable with the people in our lives that we care about. In your case, your wife. In my case, my wife. And pretty quickly, it's gonna be your daughter. Yeah. And it was my daughter's and these conversations. I think that as we have these conversations and they're difficult, it's okay. You know, I mean, it's okay to have, it, it, you know, I grew up where we, we, we just didn't have that. We just avoided it. And it sounds like you and your wife are working toward being able to talk about anything. For sure. But, you know, just in general, even even the barbershop, you know, pe people long for connection. We're, yeah. we're in a society that 
we feel like we're the most connected we've ever been, but I believe we're the most disconnected we've ever been. Yeah. She uses the word disengaged. That's a great one. Yeah. That's great. So, I mean, if, if, if I am able to um, show some openness to any, any person that's in my chair, um, almost always I get the same thing in return, you know. And we've do learned, you start it more or always. do they start it more? I mean, always. Yeah. If, if I want the conversation to yeah. go somewhere, yeah. you know, I'm willing to show a little bit of vulnerability. Yeah. You know, because then it says, okay, it's okay. You know, It's no different than the conversation we're having now. It's like yeah. if we're... You know, if we're doing this and the listeners could say, oh, wow, like, okay, yeah, maybe it's okay for me to do it too, you know? Yeah. And, and it is. I mean, I, I, when I have conversations like what we're having, I don't, there's nowhere else I would rather be, honestly. Yeah. yeah. You know? I, 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 I think that's why we kept going back and doing this work and, and, and to a point where I was getting something that I wasn't getting anywhere else in my life. Yeah, 100%. And, and now we've learned we can get it from other yeah. places, yes. <laughs> which is amazing. Yeah, you know? Well, and we're talking about tools. And, yeah. you know, part of this whole podcast series is about giving men tools to make a difference in their lives. Yeah. And one of the things that she had talked about, she made a couple of great pieces here. And I made a couple of notes and I was listening to her uh, audio book on uh, vulnerability and and she was talking about the, that disengagement, if you will. That, and she was talking about the difference in the shame and the guilt and the behavior. And when my kids were young, she wasn't around. <laughs> what the piece I got was the difference between the self and the behavior. Yeah. And she talks a little bit about that. That with my children, and if they came home... And the example she uses is, you know, her daughter comes home and she's very upset. Nobody would sit with her at lunch or she didn't know where to sit. She didn't feel welcome here, didn't feel welcome here. And when she grew up, her mother, who was more of the shame piece, said, well, if you would just make your hair right and you wear those jeans I bought you, <laughs> then you would have it. And so, you know, I'm sitting here transferring this to you that at some level, you know, if I can make myself more perfect or I can get this tattoo or I can do this or I can do whatever I can to myself, people will love me more versus being, this is what I want to do. This turns me on. I love to see the maps on my arms. I love to look in a mirror and take great pride because I promise you, if you saw pictures of him, which I just saw the com competing you know, they're beautiful, dude. I mean, you're just, it's beautiful. You. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of work that goes into that. And all that beauty in the world can't make us feel good unless we come from the inside out. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think it's the same thing with success. I think, I, I think it all comes from the, from, for me, it came from a core wound of, of, um, of not feeling worthy. You know, so let me prove to the world that I'm worthy. Let me, let me look a certain way. Let me be a certain way. Let me gain a certain amount of success. You know, let me do this so I can show everybody that I'm worthy. You know, and along the way it became, you know, let me um, accept accept some of the fact that I've had some success, right? And I deserve some of the success, which is was a big pill for me to swallow because there's a big message that so, even now sometimes it runs like who do you who do you think you are you're still you know you're just a knucklehead from Baytown that didn't come from much you know who do you 
who do you think you are? And you see, I see it with people that are uber successful, and that's the main, you know, their main thing is money and status and, you know, and all that stuff is, it's insatiable. It's never enough. You know, the stuff will ne that stuff will never fill me up. It's never enough money. It's never enough girls. It's never enough muscles. Never enough horsepower. You know, it's whatever whatever it is. It's never enough. You know, unless you, unless like you said before, unless I can accept that I am enough. One thing I do want to touch on and talk about is just the pressure that men have and the pressure that's on us as fathers. That I don't think. Thank you. That I don't think a lot of men even can identify with, or if they do, they don't know how to talk about it. You know, I think for the women, it's natural, you know, hey, I'm going through this, I'm going through that, I'm having to deal with this, I got to go back to work, I got to stay home, you know, and the pressure, me feeling as a man is, you know, I mean, I have the pressure to provide, you know, and it's all on me, you know, if, if uh, the mortgage, the car notes, the phone bills, the insurances, the, you know, whatever it is, you know, the pressure is on me, and I I know Brene Brown spoke on this a bit too in one of her deals. She's she's like you know, a man came up to her after one of her vulnerability talks. He's like, hey, it's I know she don't talk much about men, you know, and, and vulnerability. And she's like, yeah. He's like, well, that that's convenient. Mm -hmm. He said, my wife and kids would rather see me die on that white horse than fall off. And he's speaking to the pressure that we feel, that we put on ourselves, yeah. mostly. And that it's, well, and, and our society does too. There's lots of does. myths that we got to bust. It does, yeah. yeah. But a lot of that's what we put on ourselves, and what I believe I need to be as a man. Yeah. And the vulnerability it doesn't really fit too much in that, right? Because I got to be this rock. I got to be this. Uh, I always got to have it together. Always got to have the answer, right? Yeah. So showing some weakness or showing some sort of vulnerability within that can be tough. Can be tough for me to navigate. When is it okay for me to do that? You know, when is it not okay for me to do that? When do I need to be strong? When do I need to, you know, these are all the messages that go through my head. And I know other men have felt this, you know. And, and, and again, it's, I think it's, you're right, it's pressure from society. And it's mostly pressure that we put on ourselves. Right. If we want to buy into it or not, it's out there. It's like a current that goes by. And, and right. there's lots of myths that, you know, if you, you're not a man if you don't earn a lot of money. You're not a man if you don't do this. You're not a man if you don't do that. Even through all the men's work I've done, I still don't know what it means to be a man. I don't know what that means, and I don't know if I don't know who does honestly. Yeah. Because everything I've ever thought, you know, what it means—the hunting, the fishing, the working on cars—it's like, man, that's not. Yeah. I can't be it. No. No. <laughs> you know, I think this is going to be a great opportunity with both of your daughters. Is. What do you want to teach them about that? Yeah, I mean, what what do you want to teach your daughters? I mean, to me, the about main, men. What the do you main, want to show them? Because I promise you, I can t talk from experience. They will bring home men that are amazingly just like you. <laughs> well, and, and that's what I was going to speak to. Yeah. It's almost like you know, uh, it's 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 how I live my life. It's not necessarily what I say, right? So, am I treating my wife the way she deserves to be treated? You know those. You know, those, and that's pressure that I feel too. You know, it's like these girls will be watching. I know they will be. Because yeah. I was watching, yeah. you know, and I saw, you know, and who modeled it for me. So we always, you know, what we always say. So, you know, I'm going to be modeling it for them, you know. Yeah. And, you know, I'm happy to, to have that responsibility. Do, do I need to do it perfect? No, because I'm not perfect and I don't need to be perfect. 
But I do think that, that even that's a big part of the message I want them to get. Yeah. Is hey, you know, I'm I'm doing the best I can, you know, and I'm willing to I'm willing to show my flaws and I'm willing to own my mistakes, you know. Uh, Marie Pierre, when we started going out, uh, it would drive her nuts if I told her I'm doing the best that I can do. And her growing up, that was just not that's much bullshit. Yeah, you know, she will now say that, and we've talked about that. That was a really, that's another little message that comes through that it's not always the best you can do. You get it done. I could see people using it as a cop out, you know, yeah. that saying, you know, I'm doing the best I can, you know. And you know, I, I, I know if, if you, you know, people know me that, you know, I, I, I give a lot to everything I do. Yeah. You know, so if I'm saying I'm, I'm doing the best I can, <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's going to be received well, you know. So, but I could see somebody that may be sandbagging and not doing doing all they can could use that as a cop-out to say, you know, hey. Or even if it's not a cop-out, if it's just that literally I'm doing the best I can. Yeah. And what if that's not good enough? Good enough for who? I know. That's the question. <laughs> and, and, and that's the internal conversation. Yeah. And I've noticed that with my coaching clients. They come in and they're divided. They're disengaged, you know, especially couples. And it's the you, 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 you. And then at some point, one of them will say, I'm, I'm just doing the best I can. And it's very common to where it's followed up by, well, that's just not good enough. And, and you and can see this setup. In that scenario, though, I feel empathy. Yeah. I'm doing the best I can. She talks about, she says, we all have shame, okay? But with, when, when we, we can't have shame, we can't have empathy. They're kind of the two... The, the like the, our dark and the gold shadow work that we do, the good and the not so good parts of us, if you will, that if empathy and compassion is ultimately the balancing part that if I can get to, I'm, I'll be honest, there's a lot of stuff going on out in the world today that it's very hard for me to have any empathy for certain individuals, yeah. okay, in the public eye. Um, and, they're, and I'm angry. And I, and I, I want them to stop that, yeah. you know, and I don't know how to make them stop it. And, and I can't. And so how, how do I explain that to my daughter? If it's a young daughter now, she's coming, maybe she's four or five at the time. How do you, what do you explain to them on how to deal with it? And what tools can we give our daughters? Yeah, I think that that one is tough, you know. For me, in those scenarios, you know, it's it's always I want to I want to take the high road, yeah. you know. And if I can, if I can instill that in my daughters too, you know, that's not tit for tat. It's not, you know. There's going to be lots of things in life are going to be unfair, yeah. you know. And it's how we handle ourselves when things are unfair. I think is really what creates exactly. character, you know, and really defines and empathy. And empathy, hundred yeah, percent. Yeah, exactly. Because that's what she was talking about with her daughter came home, and instead of her mother's response was, "You need to fix your hair, you need to do this." The what what she really needed was what she's now providing her daughter, which is, wow, that sucks. Yeah. You know, I I could see where that would really make you sad. In our work, we call it holding space. Energy of just, that's empathy. 
That's hard for men to do. Oh, it's very. That, <laughs> we we want to fix. fix. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, amen, boy. That's the, the, you've seen the video with the nail in the head? I've seen that. Oh, there's a video on YouTube that is just priceless. But part of that goes back to the pressure that I talked about before. Right? We have to have the answers. We have to have the solutions. And, you know, how do we navigate turning that on and off? Okay, how do I just set that aside now? Let me just hear you. Right when I in my mind I still need to be this savior, rock. savior exactly yeah. yeah fixer, which you know savior for, smart one for better it, or for you'll worse you'll love me more if I can fix it for you yeah yeah, yeah. And, and I'm I'm a lot more valuable in my mind if I can just give you the solution and believe me as we get older we get wiser and and now I have this whole library of wisdom that sits back here if it's not asked for it's not asked for. You know, there will be a time and a place. Bob Bob Bear used to call that impacted wisdom. And how do you how do you deal with it? Because you have a lot of impacted wisdom, Brandon, and it's going to be your role to where your wife and your daughters are going to be leaning on you because you are the male figure in the family right now. Two two female dogs. Too. <laughs> oh man, you're on my path, dude. I had the female dogs, I had female cats, I had two daughters, wife. And coming from a male chauvinistic father who said, you know, Adam was created, or Eve was created from the rib of man. And, you know, it's just like, okay, that's great. So, wow, how do, I, how do I navigate that? And, you know, what I find fascinating, too, is when you talk about when they come into your chair and people talk. Because I would imagine you have, obviously, a lot of customers that you see, like myself, that are regular. But you also have a lot of customers probably every week that you've never seen before. Yeah, you know, here and there, I've been doing it for so long. I got a pretty good clientele. So yeah. a, a lot of uh, my people that I've cut off cut for a while. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I still definitely get recommendations, you know, and stuff like that. So I do get some new people. But even sometimes the new people, I have some of the best conversations with, yeah. you know, because most people don't realize this, but when somebody's touching you, like that, there's a trust that's formed that's not even said. Oh, yeah. Right? With scissors some by people, your ear and, and razor. Some people don't get touched at all. Oh, wow. Right, so there's this there's this trust that's already established. Right? So how do you deal with that? How do you how do you establish trust if you haven't dealt with them before and you're about to touch them? Man, meeting them where they are and understanding, yeah. like okay, this is this person hasn't been. Paid. I guess they expect you you're going to touch their head to cut their hair. I mean, all that goes with that with that. Yeah. None of that's even spoken. Yeah. I'm just it's just what I'm talking to you about. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's like. Um, you know, and sometimes, a lot of times, consultations go way too long, right? Got to don't do this, I don't do this. Explaining what you want done to your hair is yeah. not an easy thing, right? Because guys don't know the language, they don't know the verbiage, they kind of know what they want, they don't really know what they want. They want you to give your opinion, you know, but they want to What a great sure, metaphor. But they want to yeah. make sure that, uh, you know, that it's, it's something that they like, right? So it, it almost always ends with them talking a whole lot and me listening a whole lot and me just saying, I got you. Holding space, yeah. just like you just talked about. Yeah. Yeah. You know? you, they just want to look and cool. Then as I'm cutting, if I make recommendation, hey, we should go a little shorter here, a little shorter there. Almost always, they're like, yeah, go for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because the, the the trust is starting to get, yeah, you know, established. Yeah. So, yeah. 
I'm honored. I'm honored when I get to cut people's hair. It's a, it's a big thing. And, yeah. and, you know, to guys, it's just an errand, right? Let me go get my hair cut, you know. But it, they don't realize what it is to them, right? Well, some do, right? Because they're like, yeah. man, my dad took me to barbershop when I was yeah. a kid. You know, the smells take you back, oh, right? absolutely. The feel takes you back. I got you a know? piece of bubble gum every time I went. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So to Frank me, I, was my barber's name. Yeah. So I remember. To, to me, I hold that sacred, right? Yeah. And that's why we did a bar. That's why I did a barbershop because that meant that meant something to me too. Yeah. The barbershop I grew up going to was called the Trophy in Baytown, and it was called the Trophy because it was full of taxidermy, and not just little stuff. I mean, stuff ba- like polar bears. <laughs> I was scared shitless when I was a kid. <laughs> Walking there, being scared, scared, you know. But there was still something about it that yeah. was that really stuck with me. It's like, okay, this is a place guys go to be guys. Yeah. You know, yeah. and in a society that we live in now, let's think about how many places are there where it's okay for a guy to go and be a guy. Do you ever have a, a woman stop in cutthroat? To uh, we do, we have we have some women yeah. clients. Yeah. We say we're for men and badass chicks. Yeah, <laughs> we're tough ass chicks. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so. You know, it's funny because I do think that there's a lot more care given to you know the way that uh, men treat and cut their hair now than when when I was growing up. You know. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot. It was either long, you know, yeah. or a burr, yeah. or the what I call the you know the basic cut, you yeah. know. Uh, there wasn't as much, um, uh, and if they did, then they were either funny, quote quote, like gay funny, yeah. or d- little different, quote quote. And now it's a lot more accepted that guys can come in. And I mean, I'm amazed when I'm in your shop watching the guys that work for you. Uh, some of the stuff that they do and you, you know, I mean, it's a real art form that you've developed. Yeah, it's, I mean, I'm just grateful to get to do what I love to do, you know, and I own a gym now too, so I get to be there too, so, you know, and and the gym is so many things for people too, you know, like, and I have some of the realest conversations there that I never expect to have, you know, hey man, I'm going through this, I've been going through that, Yeah. you know, this place means a lot to me, you know, place I can go deal with my stress, you know. Hey, nobody goes to do the gym because you love yourself, right? You go. Most people go there because they don't. There's something that's yeah. not right with them, or they feel like it's not right with them, you know. Yeah. And through some work and some growth, for me, it's been same thing with the tattoos. I first get a tattoo and wear tank tops to be able to look at me, look at me, yeah, yeah. and then eventually you get your arms and your hands and your neck done. And it's like, you know, I do this for me, and I'm okay to talk to you about them, but I don't, I don't need you to see me that way. In yeah. fact, I want you to see me as yeah. something different now. Yeah. Same thing with the bodybuilding, you know. Yeah. First started putting on muscle, thinking, you know, I look. I want people to see me a certain way. And frankly, it was to keep people out, yeah. you know. It's like, don't come near me, yeah. you know. I want to look a certain way. Yeah. You know, but now it's it's such a personal, it's a personal growth thing. That's it's a challenge to me. It's something I can keep striving for and keep getting better at. Um. So it becomes, you know, I, I would imagine the same for for fatherhood. You know, it's like. You know, I just want it's something I'm gonna to want to continue to get better at and continue to work on, yeah. you know. In the beginning it's like, Yeah, look at me, I'm a dad, this is awesome, you know, but the reality sets in, it's like yeah. you know, and I'm sure I'll be five, ten years down the road and you know, all I'm gonna care about is me just being the best I can be for them yeah. and not how I'm perceived as being a father or who sees me holding a baby or whatever whatever it may be. Yeah. I think that uh, the self love and this came up in her audio book and and it's been a piece of me from the what I used to use in coaching was a lot of people would come in and the concept of taking care of ourselves fell under the title selfish. And this is what I grew up with, that, you know, you take care of everybody. You don't take care of yourself. You can make sure everybody's happy. 
and then you're a loving person. If I take care of myself, then I'm selfish. And so that tape played over and over, yet what I think what I'm seeing, which is so impressive with what you're doing, is, is you, you're, all this stuff is, is taking care of you so you can be present. And all I've known you, I mean, yeah, you got tattoos, but it's, you don't, I mean, you know, it's like, I'm sure if I said, hey, tell me about it, each one would have a story. And that's what I found out about a lot of men who go or women that go down those routes. It's, it's, it's a form of art. It's like me and my music. Yeah. You know, it's just something that's, you know, that is a self-love. It's something that turns you on every morning when you look at the mirror and you say, hey, I love myself. I love the way I look. I'm taking care of myself. I'm in good shape. And I think those are the lessons that we we give our uh, uh, daughters, especially about men, that will serve them in life. Yeah. And now the full cycle later, all of a sudden my daughter's being in the early 30s, late 20s, one's married and one is engaged. And these men that they've attracted in their life are beautiful. It took me all that time to see, oh wow, you know, the empathy, the compassion, the 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 uh, the modeling, and even my imperfections. They they attracted that type of guy in their life, and it's just so beautiful. I mean, now they're modeling to me what a marriage looks like. You know, I mean, really, truly, at this young age, and they're navigating it, and they're doing things because my fear was they're going to do exactly what I'm doing. They're going to have all my shadows, but no, they 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 write me little letters like, Dad, I know that that you have always felt that you're not enough. And you know we've talked about that and we we love you and we know you are enough. The gift that you gave us is that I am enough. And I know it because I've seen the struggle that you've gone through with loving yourself. And that enables me to where I didn't have to go through that piece. That I could just go and start loving myself right off the bat. And, you know, it's like Stan Goss used to talk about standing on the shoulders, you know. It's, that's what I wanted more than anything to give them. And intuitively, I knew that if, if I, it's like if you feed the plant and you water it and you give it light, it will grow. Yeah. You don't have to sit there and pull on it. You don't have to give it instructions. It will grow. But it needs that peace. Yeah, you know, just, um, just... A lot of stuff that comes up for me when you're talking is that you know when I when I grew up it was um, you know you need to do this you ought to do that the joke was you're gonna make license plates when you're a kid you know? <laughs> I mean when you're an adult that's what they would tell me when you're an adult exactly. you're gonna make license plate so yeah and, and what I really I, I mean I'm really glad that I did get those messages because it really turned me into the person I am today but moving forward you know and, and I was at the table the other day eating and my little girl was there and I was thinking. You know, she doesn't know it yet, but I will always be there for her, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm just in tears just thinking, like, man, she has no idea that I will always be there for her. And wh- why that was so big for me is because I've never felt that way about another female, you know, ever. You know, so it was big for me, you know, to, to be able to have that moment and have that realization, you know. And, and and it goes to what you're saying, and in, in, in my eyes, she will always be enough. Yeah. You know, which is the things I wish I would have heard. You know, when I was growing up. Yeah. You know, and didn't for whatever reason. Um, and, and a lot of that's it's feeling and, and actions and being there and time spent and 
you know, and I realize all that, you know. And, and the tools that we can teach them, too. Yeah. I mean, we have tools we've learned. Yeah. And when they get old enough, we can start, you know, like feelings. Yeah. I mean, nobody talked to me about feelings. I mean, just I love you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I love you. That's what I tell my granddaughter every time in, in their ear. I say, I love you so much, Stella. Yeah. I love you so much. Yeah. And she just sits there, and, you know, she's just like, it looks oblivious. Yeah. But I know... Yeah, that it's, it's going in there. It's hardwired. Yeah. yeah, it's like the same thing you're saying. I'll always be here. I'll for always you. be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if somebody's not always there for you, you're going to be okay. Hundred percent. And I'm going to show you what that looks like too. Yeah. You know, and I'm going to model because you are a man of few words. I mean, as we've gotten to know each other, I mean, I'm a talker, and it, it, I always tell by text. I'll, I'll put a text out. It'll be like twenty lines, and I'm always amazed at guys like you will go, yes. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but that's all you need to say. Yeah. Because you've all, you know, what I admire about you is, is you, you say, watch me. Yeah. Let my actions speak. You know, and I think that's the greatest gift that we can give our kids. And, and when they're young is, is watching us do something a little different that was, than what we went through. In the same respect, loving and acknowledging what we went through and not making them villains took me a long time to to love my dad I mean you know um I mean it was down to the he passed away when he was 93 and it was the last two years of his life that we finally started loving each other 90 years man 90 years that I just I mean I would grind on it and it was his fault and any problem I had was him and he was the one that I would go out and take out and do the carpet work with but he was just, it was the same piece. And finally, somebody was smart enough and loved me enough to say, what about your mom? Because that's where the real work was. And that's why I had all these kids. And so you're, you're down the same path. You're getting this other chance. And I think that that's kind of in kind of turning, trying to wrap this all up is that, you know, one of the, the last things I had written down here was, what would you like to share that will make a difference for anyone listening to this podcast? You're a new father. You're a man who grew up, uh, who had a mother and a father, and you had issues. As an adult man, you've gone and found the Mankind Project and other work to do. You've gone through a couple of marriages. You've had your trials and tribulations. And now you're with a woman that you not only love, but you respect. And that's big. From what you're telling me, you know, I mean, you, you may have loved him, but I mean, to really get the full on brand and respect is there. And now you all of a sudden, when that happened, that energy came out in the form of a daughter. And now it's coming out in the form of another daughter. So if, if I came and sat in your chair and I said, I just had a little baby girl, what would you tell me? You know, I, I think the one thing, and I'm glad this came up that I wanted to mention was the first few months... Um, you know, it's okay to not feel connected to the baby, you know, and nobody warned me about that, right? Mm, and good because I've done all the emotional work and, you know, I'm, I'm very aware of emotions and moments and um, I just assumed as soon as I saw this baby, there was just going to be this ray of light beam into my heart. Yeah. And it just wasn't there, you know? And the more I talk to other guys about it, I'm like, you know, it, they're like, yeah, of course, it takes a while. You know, it's like, well, how come we're not talking about this, right? Because I'm over here feeling like, is there something wrong with me? Is there something wrong with 
you know, my connection here, my, you know, it, what's going on, you know, but what I realize now is, is, and what I've learned is the baby comes out looking like the guy most times, because it's nature's way of helping you connect to that baby. Mama's had nine months to form her bond, right? And so it's going to take some time. Mama didn't feel the same connection either when it, the baby was just a grape seed or whatever it is. Yeah. You know, size-wise, mom, the bond grew with mom as mom grew. You know, and the same thing's happening now. You know, the first three months were sort of like, okay, this is cool. I like this. You know, and the the last three months have been like, holy shit, man. Like, I can't believe I love anything this much, and it almost scares me how much I love. You're getting the smiles all the time too. There's, Laughter. Yeah, and... I mean, she knows who I am. She. You know, excited I can, when you walk I can in the door, her, you know, yeah. and there's just a connection that's happened already, yeah. you know, and and the love is just keeps growing, and it's it really is scary. I'm like, how, how can I love something so much, yeah. you know, when me I've struggled with loving myself, I've struggled with loving others, and and now it's just now it's just happening without even me trying, yeah. you know, it's almost like it's just supposed to be, you know. And it's it's amazing. It's it's all humbling, honestly. You know, that's a great point. That's a great point. And uh, um, I know when little Henry, my grandson, was born, and having Stella, who is a couple years old, that I've gotten that connection with her. And now this baby comes out, and we're all like going, "Okay, he's cute. He's and he just crapped and he threw up and back on the breast and he's asleep and." And, you know, the most you're getting is this, you know, <laughs> kind of movement with arms and the legs. But you're right. It's like, wow, I'm supposed to be in love with this little thing, and I have no connection quite yet. And, and, that, that, and that's okay. Yeah, it is. And that's, the, you know, that's what she was talking about, the guilt part of that and, and the behavior, as long as we don't convert it into, I'm a bad father. Yeah. And there's definitely thoughts like, man, what's wrong with me? Yeah. Yeah, you know, and that's why I, I think wanted that's to a great piece. I talk, think that's a I great, to other great men about piece. It and they're yeah. like, well, yeah, of course, yeah. like, yeah, like, but they haven't said it out loud either because yeah. it's like yeah. you can't say, uh, you, it, yeah, it's like saying your baby's ugly or something. <laughs> you know, what do you mean yeah. you don't connect to yeah, exactly. it? Exactly, like, it's your child. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. There's just certain things. It's okay. That's what I want to say. It's okay. The yeah. connection comes, you know. Yeah. And I think mom, I know mom, but we, uh, my wife and I have talked about it. It takes time for them too. Yeah. And the baby was inside them, and they, you know, it it's, it, you know, it takes time for them to to form the really deep bond, you know. So, yeah, I think that's a great piece, great, great piece. You were talking about is not knowing because I think that if you probably polled, uh, uh, you know, a hundred men, it would probably be well over ninety of them will say, "Oh, I know exactly what what you're talking about." <laughs> You know, I mean, I didn't, I didn't know what to do with him. You know, it's like changing a diaper. I, uh, Kate, when my daughter, a granddaughter was born, my daughter's in there, and I can hear with Andy uh, talking about, you know, Andy, you have to clean, you know, the uh, private parts. But the truth is, is a guy. We don't know. We don't know. Yeah. And we have to learn that if we don't clean our daughter's private parts. Right. That's our responsibility when they're a baby. Right. You know, it doesn't make me a monster. It just means I'm doing my job. But as a guy, I don't know what to do. And so we learn that it's okay. And I think that's where the love of our partners comes in is when they can help us through 
And it sounds like you've got a great partner to go through She's this. She's amazing, man. That yeah. just keeps saying, it's okay. Yeah. You're okay. I'm okay. Yeah. We're going to make this together. Glad we reconnected. I'm grateful that uh, we had the chance to talk a little bit about fatherhood and vulnerability. Hopefully, everybody can get a little piece out of this. And uh, hopefully, there was a few nods like, yeah, I've been there. And hopefully, there was a few ahas like, maybe I could use that too. And the key to it is to talk, to stay engaged, to connect, to love ourselves, to care about ourselves, to know that we are enough, and that nobody can tell us any different. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this podcast today, and I hope it got you thinking. If so, feel free to visit my website, stanhoperocks.com, and sign up for my newsletter. I'd love to hear from you on what's changing in your life and where you're making a difference. Thanks, and keep moving forward. Namaste. Namaste.